Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah, crap! I almost forgot! Hey! You're saving it for a good time! What is it? Big Chief! The best! This is Dirt and Sprague. Hey, check this out. Blue Garrick's pants. Not a bad fit. Hey, you don't think that nerve disease of his was contagious, do you? Better take him off. I'm too important to this team. Big Stein can't be flopping and twitching. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Spray. Let's have a smell, all right? Ooh, wafting, wafting. Oh, everyone likes their own brand, don't they? This is magic. Dirt and Spray, gone 1080. Those goofy bastards are just about the best thing I've got going in this crazy world. The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number two, right on the dot. Dirt and Sprague with you on 995 HD2, the Odyssey app, and uh, Portland's sports leader, 1080 The Fan. Good morning. Hope everybody's Wednesday is going well. You're getting ready to take those kiddos to school, or you're on your way into work, or you're just hanging out. Uh, thank you for being with us. We've got Carter Baines of BeaverBlitz.com coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his thoughts on this weekend's matchup between the Beavs, who are going old school Benny, against Washington State coming in desperate for a win. Um, and we have crunch time around the corner, starter story as well. You mentioned something there in your dirty poll. Uh, where you have Ohio State again? Four? I have Ohio State number three. Three, okay. Number three. You know what's interesting is you have Ohio State number three. Do you know Ohio State yesterday officially at Caesars took the lead as the preemptive favorite to win the college championship? I did see that, and I was very surprised by that. Why are you surprised by it? Because history shows us that they, in those big moments, can't hang with Alabama and Georgia outside of one year when Urban Meyer was their head coach. Okay. Um, I mean, does it not? Isn't Georgia the same? I mean, Georgia can't hang outside of one year. uh, Sure, but we've seen Georgia play in more, well, maybe not more national championships because Ohio State did get to one a couple of years ago in the COVID year. Uh, I just I, I, we've seen at least Georgia right now win it. And if, if you would have made this argument about Georgia last year during the regular season, I would have said the same thing. I, I just um, I think Ohio State is very beatable. And in the same way, if they're clicking, I think they could beat Bama and Georgia. Yeah. And that's the part where I you and I are disagreeing right now. And I hope you end up being right. No, I, just, I know I've seen so many years where it's we try and get to this point of the season and sell ourselves some hope. And think, man, Alabama looks vulnerable. Ooh, remember last year they lost to Texas A&M in the regular season. I think Texas A&M was playing that game with a backup quarterback too. And it was like, wait, what? They lo- huh? And then what ended up happening? They played Georgia in the SEC championship game. They blew out Georgia. Yep. They both got into the playoff. They didn't have to play each other. And it was another Alabama Georgia national title. Like we've had a lot of years where we try and sell ourselves this. And I think this is a really, 
of all the coaches that are facing pressure, there's nobody with more pressure on them than, than what the situation is at Ohio State. Like, you have C.J. Stroud. There's nobody? Like, name a college coach Ooh. who's facing more pressure to win at a high level this year, in my mind. What would you define? Give me a high level. Like, what is Is that the playoff? Or like, is it, like, get to the see, conference championship the game? That's the thing there. Ohio State getting to the playoffs not a success anymore. Like, Michigan last no, year. I know. Michigan had to get over that hurdle, right? You had to put yourself back in the mix. They did. They finally beat Ohio State. They finally got there. I, you're not saying, hey, if you don't go to the playoff this year, we're going to fire you. And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen at Ohio State. How many years, though, can you go and knock on the door and not win before you're like, uh, we have maybe the best quarterback in the country. We recruited a top two, three level every single year. And again, outside of one year where they had Zeke run wild and Cardo Jones come out of nowhere against pre-spread Alabama and then Oregon in the national championship game, that was the last time they won. That was 2014. That's almost a decade ago. That was, um, well, as you put it to Mariner fan, that was like seven years ago. <laughs> uh, do you remember, uh, do you remember, so Ohio State comes in, they're now the Vegas favorite. Right, they're the team in Vegas. The thing about Ohio State that's interesting to me is I could see them in the playoff. I could also see them not making the playoff because that's what's wild. You talk about pressure. If your definition of pressure is win national championship, I mean, isn't that the expectation at Ohio State? But how many expectations? How many fan bases have that same expectation? So it's Bama, it's Georgia. And I it's would Ohio say it's State. Clemson. I would say it's Ohio State. Yeah, maybe and Clemson's you could think there. I'm out to lunch on this. But I think Michigan getting to the playoff and being what they are right now, I think Michigan fan is in this. Yeah, I think there's a building process, though, right? Like, I think with Michigan, you finally got there, and you clearly weren't ready to compete, right? You were nowhere near the same level as Georgia. That was one of the worst playoff games we've ever seen. And Michigan was an undefeated. No, they lost once in the regular season. But they were a dominant team. Like, to me, there's levels of progression. Like, you got there, okay, now where do we need to go to improve? Like, I'm not if I'm if Michigan doesn't win the national championship this year, I'm I'm not sitting here saying that's a failure of a season. Sure. If they go ten and two and go to a Rose Bowl like that, that's a good year. That's what Michigan should be. And I don't know if their fan base would agree with you. Maybe not. That. Maybe the fan base won't. This is me as an independent observer. Like this is year four for Ryan Day. Yeah. And he's got his quarterback, all the all that returning talent. Like I just I think at some point you do ask the question. How many years do you go not winning before pressure does start to build up on you? You know what's and funny? And that might sound stupid, but I yeah. guarantee Ohio State feels that way. I don't disagree with your Ryan Day thing. I don't. I, I, I've been wondering this for two years now. Like, hey, at what point does Ryan Day need to actually get through and, and win this? I mean, he said it last year. They came up short. They, they had two losses. They were 10-2, and two, and he said, it's not good enough. And we've argued about this before. We kind of are in lockstep. Fan bases can want a championship every year. You should also be okay and say, we're 10-2 and two and we're still recruiting very highly. We'll get there. You're not going to win it every single year. Nick Saban has ruined this idea of how hard it truly is to win a championship. That being said, it doesn't change with the expectation. The funny thing about what you just said, I could have pulled the last 25 seconds of what you just said and played it and said, is that not Jim Harbaugh? He's been there. What year is this now? Seven? Uh, is this your seven for yeah, Harbaugh? Yeah, maybe. He's he has his quarterback. They made the playoff. He's an alum. He gets he gets paid a ton of money. Like everything you just said about Ryan Day and Ohio State is the exact same thing you could say about Jim Harbaugh. In yeah. fact, you could argue well, it louder because Jim Harbaugh's been there longer. Here's the difference, and this is where I disagree with you slightly. I, I I'm sure Michigan fan probably agrees with you. The difference, though, is that Ryan Day took over for Urban Meyer and was handed a a Cadillac. Like, he was handed a a team that was winning 12 games automatically 
based on the talent. The Helfrich Coker thing, right? Yes. You're, here's the talented Here you go. team. Go yeah, win. There you go. Yeah. And he did. And he has won, but he hasn't won a national title. Jim Harbaugh did not get that at Michigan. No, he didn't, but he, he was had hired as the guy. He could be sure. Urban Meyer, not Ryan no Day. No doubt. No doubt. I yeah. get it. Like, there is pressure on him, but you got to back it up and say we can. Th- that wasn't an outlier, right? That 2021 for Michigan wasn't the Blazers in the Western Conference Finals. This is something that you can get used to. Um, and I'm not, like, I, I don't ever want to put the Nick Saban level of expectation. Like, I've long argued, I think Nick Saban has ruined it for coaches, and I think Tom Brady has ruined it for quarterbacks. To the point where if you're not at that level, we try and knock you down a peg or two instead of saying you can, you're never going to compare somebody to them. It's not going to happen again. You're not going to get somebody that dominates the sport in that regard for that long. I just refuse to believe it. The, the thing, though, with what's going on at Ohio State is what finally happened at, at Georgia last year. Like, no matter how good Kirby Smart was, and he's a damn good coach, man. He got him to a national title. They'd been in the playoff. Like, they were a good team that was winning a lot of games. They should have two titles. He, had the one, he was missing <laughs> one thing. And now you're not asking – I'm not asking Kirby Smart to win it every year. I'm not asking you to do it five straight seasons or win three in a row. Like, that's not what I'm saying. There's just – eventually you you plateau with your level of success, as dumb as it may sound to some people, because you're like, hey, you're going to the playoff every year. That's a good spot to be. Eventually you got to break through and win one. And then you get everybody off your back for a while. Nobody's on if, – if Georgia doesn't win the national title this year, anybody who criticize, criticizes him is an idiot. They just won a national title last year. You're talking about a decent percentage of their fam. You know that. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. <laughs> I'm now. the captain. Now. You know sure, that but if those they people don't... are stupid. Those people are stupid. If you criticize a coach the year after he wins a national title, you're an idiot. But that's the SEC. That's it's fine. it's that's so fine. dumb but to you're me an idiot. too. I don't get it. But that's what they do. There's down a there, difference man. between criticizing a guy that has won a national title and criticizing a guy that has only been to one. And when he went to one, they were got embarrassed. Yeah, they Alab- and look, Alabama would have smoked anybody. But that's your challenge. You're recruiting. You're trying to get to that point. Georgia finally knocked down the door. They climbed that mountain. They beat Alabama in a national championship sure. game. That's your challenge. And so the notion that they're the betting favorite, I just it's one of those things like Ohio State's a damn good team. But are they there? Are they that good? It might. I don't know. Maybe it's, they are. Their maybe schedule doesn't tell me one way or the other. I just know they have C.J. Shroud. He's, he's been amazing. They've got the offensive capabilities. Uh, defensively, I don't know how tested they've really been. They go to Penn State in a couple weeks, but again, I don't know what Penn State is. Yeah, we'll find out with them because they go to Michigan. Yeah. So it's like if you and they're like a seven to seven and a half point dog. If you can hang with Michigan, if not win, then yeah, we'll start to feel a little different about Penn State uh, and James Franklin. You talk about expectations, and it's so funny, man. It's it's crazy how unfair that world is. But I saw this article in the Miami Herald. A uh, writer named Barry Jackson basically saying, shouldn't we be getting more? <laughs> yeah, and what's should. what's funny about this is you said something the other day off the air, and we were talking about the NFL and how great the games were. And you made a note of this, and I thought it was a really good point by you. Well, thank you. That's all I do. Well, you do it more off the air than you do on. I need you to step that up. Um, <laughs> Keep the mics on in the commercial. But you made a good point. You said... Oh, we were talking about targeting yesterday. And you said, did you see Dan Lanning tweeted, this is ridiculous, giving his opinion yeah. on the tar- or not that target, the roughing, uh, the, roughing passer the passer. In Monday Night Football, he tweeted about that call and said, come on, let's let him play football. He said, let's let him play football. And I thought it was a great point by you. And I think it sums up how a lot of Duck fans do feel. I give Duck fans some flack for not speaking out about this in the moment. But I do see it on Twitter now with our show page, especially how Duck fan really felt or feels. And that was a good point by you to notice that Dan Lanning tweeted about this roughing the passer penalty 
We interviewed Mario years ago. Years ago, probably two or three years ago. Yeah, he was only there for four years. Yeah, (laughs) I think it was his second year. We got him because of the time slot. Everything worked out. And he didn't particularly care. He doesn't care about anybody's interviews. He's already skipping interviews in Miami now when his team loses. They've lost a few games. But you asked Mario on a bye week, hey, are you going to be – it was something to the effect of, are you going to be watching any NFL college games yeah, just are you going to sit down and all and watch football? And I thought you, in the moment, I remember you asking that going, oh, that's, you know, I'm curious to hear what his thoughts are on this. And I think his answer was as short as basically saying, come on, brother, be serious. Be serious. We don't have time for this. And I remember you and I looking at each other going, Jesus, dude, like, I do not want to talk to this guy. We're the home of the ducks and we got a fake, like, we give a crap what this guy says. He's giving us nothing. I hate right. those interviews. <laughs> at least Dan Lanning. Seems like a guy who has a little life balance here. Like, hey, let's shoot a video of me going on a scooter on campus, checking if kids are in class. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to watch an NFL game because I have a theory that college football coaches largely work too much. I think you could be a successful college football coach. This is my hot take. <laughs> I think you could work a 10-hour day and get enough film, enough coaches' meetings, and a practice in and say, all right, I'm going to go home now and have like seven hours of time with my wife and my kids. These guys are psychos. They work 15-hour days. Dan Lanning strikes me as does put in the work, but also allows himself to still be a human being. Yeah, I don't know if that's a work-life balance thing or if that is he just has a more normal personality. Well, I think it's it's a combination of that, is it not? I mean, some people are driven to where all they care about is work and money and work and money, and they, they don't get the big picture of the thing. And some guys, maybe Dan Lanning is, this strikes me as he gets the balance here. But my point is, you talk about expectation. I mean, Jesus, they lose to North Carolina. Or who, who do they know? They lost yeah, to North Carolina. North Carolina. Weekend, North Carolina yeah. And, like, there's writers down in Miami in year one. Are we getting enough from Mario Cristobal? He got an $80 million deal. This is not going well. I have, I have crafted a take that I feel very, very, I'm very proud of. And it's comparing two Oregon coaches. And I think they're the same for differing reasons. But I, I think Mario Cristobal and Mark Helfrich are the same coach. In terms of <laughs> what? Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay, hear me out. I'll hear you out. If Mario Cristobal had not inherited Justin Herbert, how would we feel about him as a head coach? If he took over a program and Herbert, let's say Herbert wasn't a local kid, he transferred. So, and you had to start from scratch a quarterback. Uh, either a, a transfer is probably transfer what he would have done. Or a freshman, yeah. right? Like that was the route you had to go. If you didn't have a generational talent at that position that they held back, we They're now know that. Probably a six-win team. How do we, right? We're feeling yeah. a little bit different about Mario Cristobal. Yeah. What built up his credibility as a coach was in year two, he won a Rose Bowl. They won the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah. What was the primary reason they did that? Justin Herbert. How did we feel early on about Mark Elfridge? In year two, he took over a program that had Marcus Mariota, one of the greatest college quarterbacks we've ever seen. He, he went to a national championship game. Because he had Marcus Mariota. If he didn't have Marcus Mariota, they're not going to a national championship game. We felt a certain way about him because of the program that he inherited and most importantly, the the most important position on the field that he inherited. I think they're coaches that both have a fatal flaw. Helfrich has tanked his career and he's done because he couldn't recruit. Like well, you, you have to also, to... can we talk about the coaching? I mean, he was an offensive coordinator, not sure. calling plays, and then he goes to Chicago. And... I get it. I, I know. Yeah. I still think he's a decent offensive mind. He right? understands like, he football, understands football. But he's not... He had a fatal yeah. flaw as a coach, and he let recruiting slip, and that's sure. like, you cannot do that in college football. That's the lifeblood of your program, <laughs> yes. and you have to be able to recruit. Yes. His fatal flaw kicked, kicked him out of the business, and now he's working in broadcasting. Yeah. 
Mario Cristobal has a fatal flaw. That will tank his career if he does not fix it. And I don't think he's ever going to fix it. He, do, he is way too conservative and has hands-on approach on offense, and he's a bad in-game manager. He needs to hire, first off, the Nathaniel Hackett uh, you know, guy in the booth giving me the, the time and the situation a guy. game manager kind of guy? He needs to hire that guy, but he never will. You know why? Because he's a jackass with a huge ego. Huge ego. Huge ego that will not acknowledge that he has weaknesses in the coaching profession, and he'll laugh at you if you even bring it up. And he needs to hire an offensive coordinator, a la what Dan Lanning did in year one, and said, dude, go do your thing, buddy. You know this side of the football. If he focuses on recruiting and being an offensive line coach, he will win at a high level, but he's not going to be able to do it. We'll he has see. a fatal flaw. I see, I think this is the difference here. One, um, I think he's in a position where he'll be forced to. Whether he wants to or not, somebody backing that booster dude, situation. That stubborn as a mule. Absolutely. But I think you can I got this brother. Him. I got this brother. I mean, somebody convinced him to put on an organ you know, sweater vest and do a press conference last year when he had clearly already gotten the Miami job, right? Talk about ego and not wanting to. Somebody made him do that, and he begrudgingly did, and it was the most awkward thing maybe in Oregon history. I think somebody would strong-arm him. Did you see what their OC said this weekend? I did not. Tyler Van Dyke threw 57 passes for 396, yeah. 496, and three tutties. Finally still, looking good. Do they still have a quarterback controversy? And the OC goes... I don't like how many times we passed it. I'm like, his key finally looks good. <laughs> he was 42 of 57. What are you talking about? It was the one thing you did really well, and you don't want to do it because it's not how Mario's built. Now, let's also be fair here. Let's not have sweeping conclusions on Dan Lanning yet. Oh, I'm not. Okay, yeah, there I'm was not. a lot of talent on this team coming in. He is doing an exceptional job. I love the Dillingham offense so far, but I learned this with Larry Coker. All right, when he let Miami fall to what they are now, I never looked at a guy replacing a guy and said instantly, well, there it is. I fell into that trap one time, Gary Anderson. And that's just out of blind faith that, hey, a four-win season could be six. Everybody has bland foot, blind faith in their coach. But I remember the Helford stuff, and I thought it was weird that it was an OC who never called plays and just assume he'd pick up what Chip Kelly had put down. I mean, in year two, he got him to a title, though. I know, but he had Marcus Mariota, man. He had, he had the greatest quarterback in your program's history in the same way. I look at Ryan Day, and maybe Ryan Day will break through. He's a good, He seems like a good coach, but I've been wondering this now for two years. At what point does Ohio State fan go, I don't know if you're urban. I don't even know if you're capable of winning it. It might be this year because as we started this segment, Ohio State is now the favorite in Vegas to win the championship. I want to connect two different things here. Somebody texted in, Ohio State couldn't stop Mario Cristobal's offense last year. Until they're serious about defense, they're not winning at all. I mean, that, That's that might how be a I fair feel. point. Like the, it, it is such an apples-to-oranges comparison, but I do look at Oregon's non-conference games the last two years and say this is the difference. Based on what I've seen so far from Oregon this year. It feels again, a lot different, no there, doubt. Sure, there's a lot of time left for Oregon, but would you argue right now you feel like this team's better than Oregon last year? Oh, I mean, that's, right? yeah, I don't know what the okay. final record will be, but I would pick this year's team to clobber that last year. I would too, team. right? And what did Oregon do in their non-conference game this year? And what did Oregon do in their non-conference game last year? Who were the two opponents? Yeah, I mean, got blown out by that's Georgia. Ha- that's part of the Ohio way State. I'm viewing this, right? Like, you, you could hang with Ohio State. Ohio State's good, and they were a good team last year. They would say it's a rebuilding year, but they won the Rose Bowl. Sure. Georgia and Alabama, to me, are ju- they're just on a different that planet, That was a different man. sphere, yes. They're a different planet. Yes. And until I see somebody step up on that planet and live with them, I just, I don't think it can happen. All right, 718. Carter Baines at the bottom of the hour. We're back with more Dirt and Sprague on the face. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan. All right, Carter Baines at the bottom of the hour. We'll get his take on this matchup this weekend. I'm incredibly nervous for it. Uh, we'll do our Pac-12 picks against the spread. I don't know if Beaver fans going to want to hear me give my thought on that game. It's a close one, though, and you're at home. I mean, you, you, you know, you've been on the road. It's an opportunity. Come back home. All right, let's get it sorted out. See what you're at. Go Branson feels like he's going to be the starter again this week, so it's an Another week of him, yeah. two and a half games for him. I think he built a little confidence, man. I, I I liked what I saw in the second half of that game. They got their offense going. He threw some great balls he in did. the fourth quarter. One of them was dropped for a touchdown early. Yes. The other was a nice pass that Bolden made an incredible catch on. More importantly, what did he not do? I, he didn't throw any interceptions, did he? Did not have a turnover. Okay. Now, the okay. offense wasn't humming. I'm not arguing that it was, but he oh, did yeah. not turn the football over. What uh, What time is that kick? Is it 6? I think it's a 6 o'clock Pac-12 network game. Hey, Let me double check. Somewhat respectable. There we go. Yeah, it's, maybe asleep. The, maybe the sun will <laughs> still be out. Uh, let's see here. Pac-12. Hold on. Hold on. Waiting. 6 o'clock. Yep. Sometimes I ask those like rhetorically and you like actually oh, dive in. Like, hey, give me a minute. I will find that answer for you. That's what uh, I'm here for. I don't know what the thought is here outside of like, he's right. But there is a there's a human side of me that kind of felt bad yesterday. Did you see what Ron Rivera was asked after they lost? The commies lost their game to the Titans. I did see this. So Ron Rivera is asked in the postgame, what's the hey, what's the difference between you, the Giants, and the Eagles and Cowboys? And the obvious answer is, well, the records. But obviously, that's why the reporter's asking, right? Why are you guys so bad, and why are they so much better? Basically, how the Giants are supposed to suck, and they're 4-1, and and the Cowboys are playing with a backup quarterback. How are they 4-1? And And Ron Rivera, who's known around the league as a pretty good player's coach, just responds with a one-word response. Quarterback. And instantly that makes circles on social media. It's retweeted to the point where Ron Rivera yesterday actually had to apologize publicly to Carson Wentz. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry I did that to you. And look, I, I'm not going to argue with you because I'm largely going to agree with what you're going to say. I've already given you credit on the Nick Foles Wentz Super Bowl thing that you said years <laughs> ago. I give you credit there. So I'm not going to argue with you on that. But the human side of me is like, so this guy was an MVP front runner 
tears ACL in LA. Team wins Super Bowl with backup. Comes back, can't get over that hump. Fan base is ready to go to the backup again. Backup gets a statue built of him outside of the stadium. Gets shipped off to Indianapolis where former coordinator coach believes in him so much that he can rejuvenate his career. Doesn't play that awful, but costs his team two games. And those two games are what kept him out of the playoffs. He then gets shipped off again because the owner of that team hates him. Gets shipped to an awful situation, maybe the worst in all of football. Plays for a team called the Commies, who owners a piece of crap. Has no (laughs) real options in terms of weapons. Is putting up good numbers, but throws a pick. And his coach, who is known as a player's coach, says, the reason we suck is because of him. I know he's a high-paid guy. I actually am feeling bad now at this point for Carson Wentz. Uh, I'm going to shock you with this. I am too. And this was a bad move for Ron Rivera. Like, I don't care how you feel about a quarterback. I don't care how frustrating you are. You never back the bus up over one of your players. And he did that publicly, and he should apologize for that. Ron Rivera's better than that. Uh, the, 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 the Cummies, by the way, should be winless. They were losing that opener to Jacksonville, and they came back and won in the fourth quarter. I still don't know how they won that game. That's their only win of the season. <laughs> they should be 0-5, and I would argue that's the best thing for you going forward. Here's the issue, though. Like, the question was asked, you know, how are the Giants doing this? How are the Cowboys doing this? How are the Eagles doing this? And why do you suck? His answer was quarterback. That's not the case, Bob. numbers actually aren't that awful. No. That's a bad pick at the end of last week. The but. other thing is, too, the Cowboys are not winning because a quarterback, you dumbass. Yeah, Have they you are. watched he, them play? He, those 10 passes he completed <laughs> were the best 10 passes I've ever seen they in They just life. played the Cowboys two weeks ago in Dallas. You know what the final score was? 25-10. to 10. Cooper Rush completed 15 passes for 200 yards. They, the Cowboys won in L.A. this weekend, and Cooper Rush completed 10 passes. They're not winning because they're a, they got a quarterback. They're winning because they're playing elite defense. The Giants, nobody in their right mind, you'd say, hey, the Giants are 4-1. Are you buying it? Why are they winning? Nobody says Daniel Jones is the reason the Giants are winning. They're winning because they're playing pretty good defense. Their offensive line's a little bit better than we thought. Saquon Barkley's having a monstrous year. You know, Saquon Barkley has outrushed like half the NFL on his own this season. Well, also, can we not gloss over the fact, have you seen Daniel Jones' passing touchdowns? <laughs> No, I'm not. I think it's two. He's got two. So this is like Ron Rivera. It's not like Daniel Jones lighting up the scoreboard. I'm not trying to. You know I will never defend Carson Wentz. I'm out on Carson Wentz. But to have a head coach who, by the way, where did Ron Rivera build his acclaim in the NFL? Three touchdowns to two interceptions, by the way. That's Daniel Jones. Where did Ron Rivera build up his chops in the NFL? On the defensive side of the football. How did he get a head coaching job? Being a defensive coordinator. Yes. The Giants and Cowboys are winning games because they're playing good football and they're playing good defense. It's not because they have elite quarterback play. This makes you look really bad as a head coach. I love Ron Rivera. I've always defended him. He's been put in a really bad situation in Washington, but that was a moment of of frustration because Wentz had just thrown that pick, but he's not the only reason you're losing games. Wentz is not good. You were never going to win games with him, but if you're going to throw somebody under the bus, make it yourself. You're supposed to be a defensive head coach, and in points per game, you're in the bottom six in the NFL. Like, that's on you, dude. Wentz is not the only problem you have in Washington. The whole organization is a problem, and they should probably burn the damn thing down. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong at all. I just I saw that, and I thought, ooh, of all the things you could have pointed at, just the one word answer. Did you see Alex Smith answer. on Monday Night Football? Because yeah. he played for Ron Rivera, and they asked him about this. He said, and... he said basically what you said. It's, yeah. it's below him, and he's, he was surprised by it. He said Ron Rivera is supportive. Again, he's a player's coach. And this is where I, I, I feel bad, and yet here you go. Like, how it ended in Philly. 
Oh, I mean, he's done. He's not a starter in this league anymore. The, well, yeah, he's a bottom-tier starter. Like, if a team needs a starter for a couple years, yeah, he's kind of that guy. Yeah. I mean, see Washington here. He's a Jacoby Brissett. You need a guy for six games because right. your you're starting quarterback's a sexual predator. Reich, Frank Reich wanted him, and the owner hated him so much. He's like, get his ass out of here now. And we're, what, five games in, and even a player's coach is like, yo, it's him. I mean, did anybody think this was going to work in Washington, though? No. Who like, thought Washington to, was going right. to be good? You need to tear this whole thing down and rebuild. Off. Well, they, starting with the owner. They've been doing it since he and, owned and, the team. And one year with RG3. Other than that, <laughs> they've been in a constant teardown no, and rebuild. No, don't you forget Taylor Heineke almost beating Tom Brady in a wild card playoff Didn't game. Didn't they make the wild card don't as a you, one game below 500 team? Don't you forget about that it's near ridiculous. upset in the wild card round. You need to start with the owner. Get his ass out of there. Yeah. Come up with a new nickname because Commanders is horrible and it's stupid, and then we'll go from there. We'll see where Washington can go. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a lot more to get to. Saturday's story. We have crunch time around the corner. Carter Baines covers the Beavers. How will they fare against Washington State? What he likes about the matchup and what leaves him nervous. Carter Baines covers Oregon State. He joins us. Daily Tickers next. But first, Jordan, I tore my calf celebrating a loss. Not celebrating. Actually in pain and agony. Schultz with a sports update. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents the Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Sprague visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about, and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Sprague is brought to you by Pelican Brewing, born at the beach. Ticker time here on a Wednesday, brought to you on the fan by Pelican Brewing Company, born at the beach online at pelicanbrewing.com. And a big one for Oregon State, man. That went down at Stanford. What a way to end it. And they, they come out on top against the Cardinals. Now they come home, and it doesn't get any easier. The Cougs are coming to town Saturday night. Joining us now to talk about that game in the Beavs is our friend Carter Baines from Beaver Blitz at Carter Baines on Twitter. We'll give him a follow. He's a senior writer there uh, at v- uh, Beaver Blitz. Carter, good morning to you. I'm going to start the most important Probably question every Oregon State fan has is, what's going on at quarterback? Is it Gold Branson again? Is Chance Nolan healthy? What are we hearing? What are we learning? And how are we feeling at that position going into Saturday? Yeah, you know, my gut tells me that Ben Gold Branson's still the guy this week. I, I just think that everything we've heard from Jonathan Smith about Chance Nolan's status right now tells me that you know he's probably not going to be ready to go in time for Saturday. Uh, what we heard at the the Monday press conference is that he had not returned to practice. Uh, you know, the, 
what the uh, what, what the medical team was telling him was that he might not be able to go on Tuesday, and so if that puts you in a Wednesday practice return, I just don't know that gives that if that gives you enough time uh, to get ready for Saturday if you're Chance Nolan. Because last week Jonathan Smith said he would need close to, if not an entire full week of practice before he returns to the lineup. So I don't even know if he'll be available this weekend. Um, but even when he is, I mean, you look at the at a small sample size for Bengal Branson, what you did last week to, to get you back into that game and, and, and to give you the win, and it, it, it might be a toss-up at this point between those two. Yeah, you know, Carter, it's interesting. I, I think you're hitting on something. So I want to get your thoughts on this because, I mean, the walk-off is what everybody remembers. It's a late kick. It's, you know, Stanford fans and Beaver fans in attendance are falling asleep. People at home, as much as you love your team, I think it's like it's almost midnight here. we got a football game being played. It's a wild ending. But I still walk away, despite the ending and how, you know, improbable it kind of was, I walk away still with a lot of question marks and a little concern for Oregon State. It was weird energy for them. I did like Gobranson not turning the football over, but I still didn't think they played very good. And Stanford, to me, is not a good team. You know, Washington State coming to town. Where are you just at right now with what you've seen? Outside of Gobranson, where are you at right now on this Oregon State team and the way they've looked the last couple weeks? That was just textbook Pac-12 after dark, wasn't it? It really was. <laughs> um, but no, you know, it's it's interesting because like 95% of that game was was just flat out not good for Oregon State. It, it really did take until the last, and I'd say about five minutes or so for them to really turn things on. They did have that drive where Damian Martinez uh, ran for the 29-yard run, set up a, a passing touchdown to Silas Bolden to kind of get the ball moving there again early in the fourth quarter, but it, it did take until that big run from Martinez to the end zone for them to, to really feel like the Beavers had a chance in that game. And, and you know, to go 55 minutes and, and feel like you're really just kind of out of it against Stanford was concerning to me. I mean, I, I already had a couple, a couple of paragraphs written about a loss that I had to delete um, after, after, you know, Harrison pulled off that miracle just a, a weird game to go down there to the farm in a game that I think pretty much everybody expected Oregon State was going to take care of business um, and, and to just come out and, and look so flat and, and frankly undisciplined on sportsmen like conduct penalties, um, an offense that couldn't move the ball at all, a defense that gave up some big plays. At times it looked like a team that didn't really want to be there, but to its credit, Oregon State did kind of stay the course, bounce back, and pull that thing out, and I'm curious now if if that kind of a win will give them a little bit more energy, will provide a little bit more of a spark um, after they had entered that game on a on a two game losing streak. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the bigger questions we're talking with Carter Baines of uh, Beaver Blitz at Carter Baines on Twitter. One of the bigger questions I have, really, for Oregon State's offense. I know so much attention has gone to the quarterback position, but we've talked a lot about on our show just the rotation at running back and how it hasn't made a ton of sense, like. Jam Griffin's having a really good year. And you look at his yards per carry, even again on Saturday night. He had 13 carries for 75 yards. Deshaun Fenwick had one more carry for 20 fewer yards than him. And then you had Damian Martinez, who I believe both of his first two carries, he you know busted them for 20 yards, and then he had that 43-yard touchdown run. Have, have you been surprised? Have they said anything about the running back rotation? Do we still think it's going to be split between those three guys? Because I'm looking at it as an independent observer, and I'm saying, man, Jam Griffin's running the ball great right now. Damian Martinez just broke through. It just it feels like it should be more of a two-man rotation. What are they saying about that? 
Yeah, I, I think that's kind of the consensus among fans and, and most of the media right now is that you look at the carry distribution and it really doesn't make sense when you look at the production. Um, not to dog on, on Deshaun Fenwick at all, but you know he just hasn't been as efficient as, as the other guys in that room. Um, I, I will say Jonathan Smith, leading up to this week, had kind of doubled down on that approach and, and said, you know, we want to get all of these guys the ball because they all do different things and they're all good at what they do. Um, this week, he, you know, he mentioned that he felt like Damian Martinez should have gotten more carries in that game, and, and I tend to agree when you have a guy who, who breaks two long ones um, out of the three times he touches the ball. You know, that's obviously a guy who needs to get more touches. Jam Griffin averaging about six yards per carry in that game. I'm not sure how he doesn't end up as, as your leading rusher by, by carries. Um, and he's done that for a couple weeks in a row now. You know, you go back to the USC game. Uh, he was he was kind of the guy there as far as reliable production, going back to Utah as well. Um, but yet he still, he still finds himself behind Deshaun Fenwick in the pecking order, which I don't know, maybe we see something flip this week because he did – you know, he did only finish one carry behind Fenwick last week. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it's there really is a lot of talent in that room. So, it's you know, it's it's not easy to find a way to keep all, keep all those guys engaged and, and get them involved. But um, with, with what we've seen from, from those two guys and Martinez and, and Griffin in the last couple of weeks, I have to think that they, they deserve a lot more carries than what they're getting right now. Well, Carter, yeah, I, I, this is a non-important note, but the Vegas line here is over under 53 total points. And if you were to ask me what I think of both of these teams this weekend, they look like teams being more carried by their defense all year than their offense. Now, Cam Ward's an exciting player, and he's got the capability. We saw it against Oregon. Did it a couple times against USC, but for the most part, their offense has not been a high-scoring thing, and Oregon State's offense is kind of in a struggle bus. They've got a, a young quarterback kind of filling in here as a starter. I tend to lean the under, but, like, how do you see this game playing out? What do you think of this matchup? I'm nervous for Oregon State. I don't know how to feel about them being a four- to three-and-a-half-point favorite here. I think Washington State is a very good team who can definitely win at Reeser. How do you feel just – looking at everything you've looked at on the Washington State side, how they match up against Oregon State. Yeah, this has like 21 to 17 written all over it to me. I mean, two teams that, that very much are right now defense-dependent, defense which feels weird to say about Oregon State, I think. But mm-hmm. I, I guess at this point in the season, it's it's kind of the, you know, I, I think that's kind of the read on this team that I have right now. It's a team that's going to be really stingy with it defensively, but the concern is there on the offensive side of the ball. In the past, it's been the turnovers. Now it's, yeah, I guess, just efficiency across the board, really, in, in a quarterback situation that you have no idea what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis. So I think the key for Oregon State in this game, if, if it's going to have a chance to win, is the offensive line is going to have to bounce back, and, and Ben Colbrand is going to have to do a better job of, of escaping pressure this week. I mean, eight tackles for loss, four sacks against Stanford was so uncharacteristic. It's something that we haven't seen from Oregon State in years with this offensive line playing at a very high level for the last couple of years. Um, Washington State has a very aggressive defense. You know, Jake Dick is a, a defensive-minded coach. Um, they, they've improved on that side of the ball really year over year for, for a while now. And, uh, you know, you look at the tackle for loss numbers, the, the sack numbers, they've got some great cut, great pass rushers on, on the edge there. Um, 
Oregon State's going to have to protect the, the pocket better this week if it's going to have a chance to move the ball and, and put anything together with consistency. Yeah, it's a big game, a swing game in their season. There's no doubt about that. Carter Bain, senior writer for Beaver Blitz at Carter Bain's on Twitter. We'll give him a follow. Uh, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks for getting up early with us here on a Wednesday morning, and we'll catch up again soon. No worries. Thanks for having me. There you go. Carter Baines on Oregon State and Washington State. Not a good matchup for me. Yeah, you're not feeling good, Bob. I'm not feeling great. And that line has actually gone in Oregon State's favor, so maybe they're telling me something here. Again, Cam Ward's been a little erratic with the ball. Yeah. He's flashy when you watch, but he fails to make a lot of plays. And so maybe they're just thinking he'll throw a, a key interception or two. He's prone to do that. I just, you know. A walk-off win in a game that I think, you know, you do that 10 times, it doesn't happen 9 out of 10 times, maybe even 10 out of 10, but you had the one anomaly. I, I'm i not walking away thinking Oregon State's suddenly different. They have not looked good, and they're struggling right now, and um, I think they're catching a team that's pissed off and really good defensively and has a hell of a playmaker that has haunted Oregon State uh, largely since I can remember, pre-Mark Banker even, just mobile quarterbacks that are elusive yeah. tend to kill Oregon State. That they do. Let's talk a little bit about this game. I want a little little uh, Wednesday peekaboo, if you will, on Oregon State and Washington State. How are you feeling, Beaver fan? We'll dive into that matchup a little bit. Take a look at the uh, early slate at the weekend in the Pac-12. That is coming up next right here on 1080 The Fan. Pour the milk. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Part of a nutritious breakfast? Hamburger. Hamburger. Cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. It's time for the morning crunch. A look at the tastiest topics in sports. Brought to you by Crunch Fitness. As low as $9.95 per month. No hassle, no pressure, no gimmicks, and no judgments. Hey, the morning crunch brought to you in the fan by our good friends at Crunch Fitness. As low as $9.99 a month. Locations in Beaverton, Aloha Division Center, and Vancouver. Go check them out. Crunch.com. I'll be out at the Glorious House again today after the show. Hopefully the volume and the levels are doing all right now. It just uh, words can't even explain how <laughs> how frustrating all of this is. So usually radio shows, I mean, you run through a board, right? They call it you have a board. There's different levels and different things that turn up different volumes. We don't have a board because our studio is currently uh, still in under construction. It's a digital board. It is on a computer screen. Yeah. And if you if you tinker with one thing, another thing gets tinkered with, and one thing gets thrown off. It's just <sighs> also Carter. I mean Carter's. Serenity now. He's like one of our guests. We've got a couple of these. Uh, Zucanic one time, Nimic a couple of times. He's one of those. He's clearly still in bed. Yeah, he just woke up. He probably doesn't want to wake. If there's anybody else like in his house, he doesn't want to wake him up kind of thing. He's just, just assuming that Carter's in an orgy or what? It could be. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what he's right. waking up in. I don't but know he's, what he's kind doing. of a naturally lower talker. He's not like super loud. So like he got that plus well, what we're dealing with. Yeah, it's yeah. but good information. It doesn't surprise me to hear about Gobranson. I think the coaches, yeah, I know it seems like they should know this, but sometimes they don't know things the way that we all kind of talk about it. I think the running back thing is really making its way into that athletic department. It doesn't make any sense the way they've handled that. Well, you know, I don't even – people keep screaming, it's the transfer portal thing. I don't think it is. Dude, I, let him transfer. I don't care. you got Jam Griffin, who's a sophomore, and Martinez is a freshman. Let yeah. him transfer. Right, and I'm kind of at that point, too. I, I still think Fenwick has a role on this team. It yeah, doesn't have to be he gets zero carries. It's just the – Jam should be getting far and away the most carries. And if you need a big bruising back and you want to use Fenwick, okay. If you want to use Martinez, fine. Lowe has been out an extended period. I don't even know what the status of him is anymore. But Jam Griffin should be easily your number one. Instead, you got this, like, turnstile of, hey, Fenwick, no, Griffin. Hey, Martinez, hey, Griffin, 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 Fenwick, Fenwick. And it's like, 
just give most of them to Jam Griffin. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I not to like um, change the subject on the transfer portal stuff, but I've I've seen Oregon fan do that too. I, I think as fans, we need to stop. We do need to stop. Like, I, I've seen Oregon fans who have tweeted things like, if Dante Thornton doesn't start getting the ball, he's going to transfer. Who cares? Or if Ty Thompson's going to, you know, blah, 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 he's going to, like, bye. Who cares? Like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. The transfer portal, by the way, is a two way street. Yes, so if you is. lose a guy, you can bring another guy in. And if you're not ready to play and you want to run, like, I don't want you on the team anyways. Like, I'm, I'm going to support the guys that are playing, that are getting the touches, and that are having success. Like, I. We get so wrapped up in, you know, following somebody in, re- in a recruiting platform and, oh, he was a four-star, he's a five-star. You know, for Fenwick's case, he was a great running back for them last year. Like, oh, we got to keep this guy around. Like, no, nah, you don't. You're going to be fine. If he leaves in the transfer portal because he's not getting touches, you'll go find another running back. You will find another one. You've had some pretty good running backs over the years at Oregon State. There are other running backs in the world. And so I'm, I'm with I just I saw that from Oregon, and you brought that up with people – uh, saying that about Oregon State's running back room. Like, if, he, if he's not up to snuff and he's not playing as good as the other guys, you don't play him out of sympathy because you think he's going to leave. You get him out of the game. And I don't think co- – I, I think coaches might – like, um, who was it for Oregon this summer? Was it Seven McGee was going to transfer? And Seven then McGee Lanning, entered the portal, yeah. Yeah, and then Landing kind of talked to him and got him back. Yep. In those instances, I think coaches are doing what they can to recruit and convince, hey, give me a yep. chance. But, man, if it's in season – I'm sorry. I hate to tell you guys, coaches don't give a rip. And if somebody's going to produce, they're going to play him. And for whatever reason, they seem to think Fenwick should be getting more, if not as many carries as Jim Griffin. I don't agree with it. But, you know, as Jonathan said, as he admitted I should have not kneeled on the two-point conversion. We're always learning. We're always growing. Yeah, I like that he acknowledged that he probably made a mistake there. And, and so I don't think coaches play this game, play that game the way that we're projecting it. I don't think coaches are like, well, I got to play him. He's, he's got to transfer. At the end of the day, you don't want to lose players. You like certain guys. Yeah. But I'm I'm sorry, Beaver fan, if Fenwick or Lowe or I, even Martinez, if they transfer like – they transfer. If Ty Thompson transfers, tough luck. We'll go get another quarterback. You're playing as a transfer <laughs> quarterback right now, and you look right. good. So Right. They got a pretty highly, highly touted kid coming in behind him. I just think a lot of that is just you end up loving your own guys, right? It's no different than a Blazer fan falling in love yeah. with There's Chris Kamen or something. You love your own guys, and you don't want to see them leave, and you think, oh, it's hard to replace it. At the end of the day, it's, it's really not. There's like a 1,000-plus kids in the portal. Let me ask you this. So uh, we had a text that came. I was just, I'm curious how Beaver fan feels. Because I would, if I were a Beaver fan, I think I'd probably be more in your camp right now. Of like, eh, I don't know how I feel. Washington State's got a good defense. Like, eh, not overly confident. I don't Somebody, like the matchup, buddy. You don't like the matchup. Don't Somebody like texted in. I feel pretty confident about this game as a Beaver okay. fan. As long as we don't turn the ball over and we tackle. <laughs> I do not buy that Washington State is that good of a team. Every one of their... Uh, everyone got over their skis after they won at Wisconsin, but mm-hmm. Wisconsin hasn't been that impressive, and I think we're valuing that game more than we should. I will also point – they propped them, I and they should have beaten Oregon. Should have won the Oregon game. Should have won the Oregon yeah. game. Would have, could have, should have, but they should have. Good performance. They hung with USC the same way you hung with USC until a couple of late touchdowns. USC finally separated, and they had to play them in Los Angeles. They didn't get to play them at home. Let me ask you this, though. So I, I, would, I would side more with you as opposed to that listener. Mm-hmm. The quarterback position I do find interesting – so Chance Nolan, we just heard from from Carter that it's going to be Gold Branson this week. It, all signs are pointing that direction. Nobody's surprised by that. Do we get to the point like if, if he let's say Gold Branson starts this week again, like we think he plays well, right? Let's say you find a way to win. Maybe you don't cover. You win by field goal. You keep playing him. You got to keep. Is that playing where you're him, going right? with That's this? That's where I'm going with it. Yeah, this is not a he's Jack a freshman Cooper Rush. This is a freshman. He's got better arm talent, I would argue. You ha- you recruited a kid, but I don't know if he's going to be good because well. 
he's Oregon State, and nothing's a given at that position. If if Ben Branson throws three tutties, no picks, and like 260. He's got to be your guy going forward. That's as good as Chance Nolan does when yeah. he's having a great day. So, yeah, for me, it's is as simple as don't rush Chance back. He's clearly dealing with a real injury here. And even when he's healthy, man, if they beat Washington State, I tweeted this earlier and I counted wrong because I'm an idiot. But <laughs> to me, if you're going to have your high-end season, and yeah. some Beaver fan is still in on the 9-3 and three thing. Like, I, I'm not there. And God that's okay. I'm not there. I think your highest end possibility is eight and four here. So what does that mean? It means, well, you got to win this weekend because I assume you're going to beat Colorado. They're the worst team in football. Yeah. Arizona State is not the Arizona State from four weeks ago. They seem to look better even with a backup. Is that here in Tempe? It's at Tempe, and that's always a tough place to play. That it is. Uh, Just think conversely for them, they can never win in Corvallis. And then you've got Cal, who's at home. That's the beauty of Cal. And Cal, I don't know what to make of them outside of Jade Knott. He's amazing, and after that, I don't know. So you've got you got to win Washington State for me to assume 8-4 and four is there. I know I'm dismissing the Oregon game. I'm not. I think Oregon State's got a chance because it's a reaser. But I'm trying to also balance realistic with what I want. I want them to be Oregon State or, or Oregon, and I think they got a shot because of that defense. But if I'm just taking that one game away and looking at the rest of the schedule, you got to beat Wazoo because I assume you also beat Colorado. And then there you go. You can beat ASU and Cal, but they're tough games and nothing's a given. You dub, maybe I'll be surprised at that. They just they never play well or all that close historically. In Washington, it's just not a great place for them. Or they lose close games and it's heartbreaking. Maybe they'll surprise me there too. But... um I think this weekend's key if you're going to win eight games. You want that good season, that great season. Eight eight wins is a great year for this weekend. And if Gobranson goes out and balls, I'm sorry. Keep him. I have no qualms with doing that. I don't think Smith should. He's a freshman, man. You can kind of build into this a little bit. And, and what what is what's the rebuttal even, by the way, of Chance? I don't think Chance would have a rebuttal. I think Chance is a team guy. But the only rebuttal is he's a better athlete, and do you want a guy to be able to scramble? Cool. You're not That's using it. his legs. Yeah. And if you're not using his legs, what's he been doing the last couple weeks? He's been throwing picks. He's got six picks and two starts. So, uh, yeah, if Branson plays well, Dirt, to answer your question, you stick with Branson. Yeah, on the note of his performance this weekend, Branson, I you know, make what you want of these stats. He had a 164.1 quarterback rating uh, in his in his first start, and that was the first start of his career, I'd imagine. Uh, the only game that Chance Nolan had a higher quarterback rating than in, in that in any game this year was against Montana State. That was it. So he so the only game that he had that's better than what Branson put on tape this weekend was the game in which you played an inferior You scored opponent. 10 tutties in that game. You scored 10 tutties, <laughs> and you played. You scored 68 points against Montana State. That's it. So, Gobranson had a better uh, quarterback rating than, than what Chance Nolan had thrown out there. Um, it, it is a big one, though, for their season. I agree with you there. This is kind of a turn game. Somebody texted in. I'm with you, Sprague. I don't like the matchup for WSU. Defense is legit. Their offense worries me with a running quarterback. Oregon State struggled with that for 11 million years now. The only advice that I would have for, for Gold Branson going into this game, because I actually did think he played pretty well, and I thought the poise that he showed late in that game, that touchdown pass to Bolden was on the money. A lot of times in those cases, we talk a lot about the catch, rightfully so, but that throw was in a freaking breadbasket. The only thing he's got to work on is finding his hot route and getting rid of the, getting rid of the football. Washington State's going to come after you. they got a pass rush that can, that can make plays in the backfield and make like a life hell for your quarterback. You just you got to be a little more aware in those situations because he took some sacks that took them out of drives or put them in down in distances that they could not overcome. 
And whether it's just having a hot route quick, throwing the ball into the ground, throwing the ball away, you can't take negative plays. He took four sacks uh, in that game. And Chance Nolan on the season, in all of his games, had only taken two sacks all year. If you're under the impression that wacky inflatable arm guy doesn't run very well, Ben Gobranson looking that way at the end of the touchdown pass is exactly what you would, would kind of envision he runs like. He's not mobile. No, he's not a great not mobile fast. Guy. What I would say, to your point, their offensive line's been giving up pressure, especially in that Stanford game. Stanford was getting to him. He needs to stop panicking, though. He gets a little bit of... Um, That's just a young quarterback. I, yeah. I know. I, it's a young quarterback You get thing. that deer in the headlights, like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. The happy feet kind of yeah. get going, and you, 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 you speed the play up. There were guys that were getting close, but they, they were... He still had another second and a half where he could have made a throw. Yeah, trust your eyes. I don't want to see him take a bad hit, but I also don't trust anything good's going to happen when he runs. Outside of, just throw the football out of bounds, please. <laughs> get rid of it. He's not fast. He'd get chased down, and I don't trust him to throw on the run, so... Stay in the pocket a little longer, young man. Please hang in there. And receivers, you got to help him out. Yeah. He, talk about his good day. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was that great. He also should have had but a 40-yard touchdown yeah. gold or however If that, that gold was. touchdown is caught, I mean, I'm feeling a little different about that day. So Then he's going for nearly 300 yards and three tutties if that ball's caught. And, and then we're probably already asking this question this week <laughs> instead of going right. into the game. But, yeah, if he has a good day, I think the job could be his. Well, do the Pac-12 picks against the spread tomorrow. Your slate quickly. You got Cal at Colorado, 14-and-a-half. Cal's the favorite. Washington hosting Arizona. Washington, 14-and-a-half point favorite. Stanford's on the road at Notre Dame, still over a calendar year since they won a Power 5 game. They're a 17-point underdog. Utah-USC is your primetime game on Fox. Utah, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And, of course, Oregon State and Wazoo. We'll do our Pac-12 picks against the spread tomorrow. We've got a lot to get to in the final hour. Status story coming up at 8.15. I'm, I'm going to let Sprague dive into this Blazer stuff a little bit because I, I need people to explain to me uh, what the hell's going on. Shane Sharp looked pretty good. Let's start, though, in the baseball playoffs. We talked about it earlier, and uh, boy, oh, boy. It was, it was a rough one yesterday. And we'll take a look at the head, uh, a look at the schedule ahead today. Loaded final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 